0: Praise God. You guys may be seated, and good morning. For those of you guys in person here today, good morning. For those of you guys on Zoom, good morning. And for those of you guys joining us on YouTube Live, I want to welcome you guys here today to Peninsula Hope Church. Um, I'm excited, you know, today in, in Christ alone. I love that. It's, it, it begs this incredible question we should ask ourselves, is our hope, is our faith, is our trust, is our entire life, in Christ alone, the Holy Spirit, does he lead us, or is it the spirit of man? Is it our own understanding, our own feelings, what we want to do, what we feel that leads us? Or is it God? Is it in Christ alone, or is it in humanness alone that we rely on? Lord Jesus, we give you all the, glory, the honor and praise, and Lord, I pray that Holy Spirit, you would speak um, to me today and, and, and through me, Lord, as we take a look at... Um, Lord, something that is so important, something that is transformational, something that, Lord, um, helps us to live for you, Lord, as we're talking about our vision and we're talking about learning about you and living for you and ultimately leading others to you, Lord. So I just pray this all in your name. Amen. David, can we like turn it, it's just a little echoey, if we could turn it down just slightly, that would be great. Thank you, thank you. You know, this week has been such a challenging week. It kind of started off with, um, man, I honestly, I thought I was going to have to go to the ER. I'll just just be totally honest with you. And our board knows that it was a crazy week of intense spiritual attack. And it ended yesterday in incredible revelation of what God is doing and what he wants to do. But it's so dependent on us. And I'm so excited to see what God has in store for us. And especially today, as you know, I felt, I told uh, some different people this week, you know, God put on my heart, I was gonna preach a very specific sermon this, this week about leading others to Christ, but God said, there's an emergency sermon you need to preach. And so I started praying and wondering, you know, what God has in store for us. And I think that if we are really honest with ourselves, You know, as we take a look at sin, if we interpret Scripture correctly, no sin is any worse than any other except for blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That is the only sin that Scripture tells us is unforgivable. However, the earthly consequences of sin, for example, if I murder someone, there are earthly consequences that are different than if I just go and steal some bubble gum. I think we can, you know, agree there's a difference. And also there's a difference in the sins that we commit. There's a difference in how it could affect us down the road. Does it increase the potential that we are going to sin again? Or is it something that we can do once and we never have to do Again, So with that in mind, I want to talk about um, kind of an extension to our Living for Christ um, or our series as a whole about the vision and mission of the church. And we're talking about the three L's, but this is kind of an addition to our Living for Christ sermon, or this part of the sermon which I talked about last week. Um, so I want to add this, and I want to talk about what I believe, truly believe this in my heart, That it it is the biggest sin. So we're going to talk about the biggest sin in the world and all of humankind. Or it is something that can lead to. So it's either the biggest sin, the one that most people in the whole entire world struggle with, or it is what trips people up and leads to sin. I believe this is the biggest thing. And it's not lust. It's not money, wanting money, things like that. It is leaning on our own understanding. This is addressed in Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him. In all your ways submit to him. And he, being God, will make your path straight. I figured I would just add verse 7 in there. I think it just helps to reiterate the point. Do not be wise in your own eyes, Fear the Lord and shun evil. So what exactly is it? What does it mean to lean on your own understanding? Because this is a verse, I think it's really popular. It's just like Jeremiah 29, 11. And as I explained several weeks ago, we misinterpret, we misimply, uh, misapply so much of the Bible. Because we want to do what's comfortable. We want to do what makes the most sense to us. But as we learned last week... There are aspects of Scripture that are spiritually discerned. That means that the Holy Spirit isn't working in you, that there are certain aspects of Scripture you cannot possibly understand. We were told last week in Scripture that if, uh, if the old timers, so to speak, if they understood spiritually, they would never have crucified Jesus because they would understand he is the path to salvation. But still, he was nailed up on a cross because people didn't know who he was. They didn't have the revelation of the Holy Spirit. So there are certain things that have to be discerned through the Holy Spirit who lives in us because he is our guide, he is our counselor. So if I was to define for you, to come up with the best definition of leaning on your own understanding, it would be this. It would be using your own or others' worldly knowledge, skills, experience, wealth, instincts, power, or feelings to make decisions, understand situations and opportunities to accomplish tasks or goals, basically to live your life. Okay, So again, it's using your own or others worldly knowledge, skills, experience, let's say wealth, let's say resources, your own instincts and feelings to make decisions, understand situations and opportunities, and accomplish tasks and goals. Basically, it's using all the worldly things, not spiritual things, to live your life. Sometimes you may hear it referred to as the spirit of man versus the spirit of God, the flesh, the worldly mind. Basically, it's relying on ourselves instead of relying on God. Now, I'm sure there's some people like, wait 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 a second you know I know my college education or like that gut feeling I get I know it's important to you sometimes I'm not saying that those things don't come into play it's important to understand that yeah you know what God has given us experiences God has taught us things in the world that we will use but the question is is that your go-to or is God your go-to first So we do have to use our skills. We have jobs. We have to pay bills. Money does affect things. But the question is, do you believe money solves your problems or do you believe God does? Because I would say the majority of the world, including Christians, believe their own abilities and resources is what grows a church, maintains a church, makes a church healthy. That's not true. That's a sin. Because you're not trusting God. You're not relying on him. You're relying on yourself. So again, it doesn't mean that our worldly resources, our own intuitions, it doesn't mean that those things don't come into play. The question is, is that what you rely on? Is that what you lean on? Or is it God that you lean on? Leaning on your, or Not leaning on your own understanding would mean that you're looking to God in His wisdom and understanding that He is ultimately in control and what He wants, His will, His way, that's the most important thing so when you're leaning on your own understanding you're not doing that you're not letting god be in charge you're not putting him first there's a great story about someone who understood this concept of not leaning on his own understanding and it's so awesome because when we read this passage it tells us this is the smartest human that ever lived so if you want to turn to first kings 3 We're going to start with verses 5 through 12. I love how the ESV, so I'm going a whole different direction this week. I love how it states it. 1 Kings 3, verses 5 through 12. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne to this day. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant a king in the place of David, my father. Although I am but a child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted or, or for multitude." Give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. Good and evil, right? That's kind of what sin's about, right? In God's eyes, what's good and evil? Righteousness, according to God. For who is able to govern this great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this, and God said to him, Because you have asked this, you have not asked for yourself long life or riches or uh, or the life of your enemies, but have asked for your understanding to discern what is right behold i now do according to your word because i give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been uh, like you has been before you and none like you shall rise after you the smartest man in the world knew he was stupid amen He knew he was stupid. He knew that he couldn't make a single decision on his own that would be useful, that would make any sense. He knew he was too stupid, too immature, too dumb to do anything right. So he said, God, give me the wisdom. Give me a discerning heart, a discerning mind, so I can make right decisions as the leader. And God did that. And we know that he gave him way more than that. There was earthly riches that God blessed him with, but that's not what he asked for. Now, this is an incredible story of how this played out in Solomon's life. 1 Kings 3, verses 16 through 27. Now I'm jumping to the NASB, if you're wondering. Then two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. The one woman said, "'Oh my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house, and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house.' It happened on the third day after I gave birth that this woman also gave birth to a child, and we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, only the two of us in the house. This woman's son died in the night because she lay on it. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from beside me while your maidservant slept and laid him in her bosom and laid her dead son in my bosom. When I rose in the morning to nurse my son, behold, he was dead. But I looked at, him, he looked at him carefully in the morning. Behold, he was not my son who I had born. Then the other woman said, No, for the living one is my son, and the dead one is your son. But the first woman said, No, for the dead one is your son, and the living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. I will continue here in a second, but imagine yourself in this situation. There are these two ladies that come up to you, and they're like, hey, here's this situation. My son died. This lady, that, she's lying. That's my son. Then the other lady says, no, she's lying. That's my son. Well, one, your feelings would probably start going crazy, right? You'd be like, I don't know what to do. And let, let, the reason why leaning on your own understanding also includes your feelings is that he might have been, well, that lady, she's tugging on my heartstrings more because her story seems so much more powerful. But he would have been fooled that's why emotions our feelings we have to be careful because sometimes our emotions and feelings they get in the way of god scripture tells us that our heart fails us all the time we have to be careful but here's the other thing too we can't use logical wisdom either because they didn't have dna testing back then so what do you do you can't rely on your logic you can't rely on your feelings Verse 23, then the king said, the one says, this is my son who is living and your son is a dead one. And the other says, no, for your son is a dead one and my son is a living one. The king said, get me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king and the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. Then the woman whose child was the living one spoke to the king for she, sa- because- for she was deeply stirred over her son and said, oh my Lord, Give her the living child, and by no means kill him. But the other said, He shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide him. Listen to what Solomon said. Then the king said, Give the first woman the living child, and by no means kill him. She is his mother. How do you think he knew that? Because of a DNA test? Because of logic? Because his feelings, his heartstrings were pulled because one lady cried a lot? No, no. It was God. It was the Holy Spirit. It was Him leaning on God instead of His own understanding. Amen? This is an important concept to understand because it is the biggest sin or it leads to the biggest sin in our lives. Let me give you another example. I was talking to someone this morning about it. One thing I pray for everyone that is single, it doesn't matter if you're 15 or you're 55, is that you really ask God to bring the right person. And if God brings someone, well, it might not even be God. It might have been you were at a bar. It might have been you were at school and someone winked at you. They sent you a nice cute emoji. That might have been why your interest is piqued in them. But here's the thing. You should pray about it because I have seen time and time again where someone says, you know what? This person's amazing. And I'm like, wow, you feel like God really brought them your way? No, but they're hot. You know, I had a friend it was in a ministry and she would always talk about you know what i'm saving myself for my husband you know and, and then this really good looking guy came around and he sounded pretty christian he spoke christianese well but i don't really think he was a christian and you know what she ended up sleeping with him and she ended up leaving this ministry we had a singles ministry she left it but she was ashamed because something she was preaching so hard, she's like, I would never give in to this temptation. But then I asked her one day, what, what happened? She's like, well, you know what? He was so beautiful and I never thought anybody that good looking would ever be interested in me. She, she was being led by her own understanding, her own feelings. Just because something looks great doesn't mean it's God. Something, just because something's good doesn't mean it's God. And just like this, we need God's understanding. We need to lean on Him to help us to understand what is truly happening because we can rely on our intuition. We can even rely, you know, what if someone's, your mom or dad says, wow, that guy or that girl, they have a good job, right? They're going to be able to provide for you. Yeah, but what if they hate God? What if they don't know God? How is that going to help you down the road? Again, Understand leaning on your own understanding is a sin or it leads to sin. So why is it? Why is it a sin? You might be asking, why why am I thinking or why am I preaching that is a sin or that it leads to sin? Well, before we get into that, it's important to understand as we have talked before that sin is not just a bunch of do's and don'ts in the Bible. It is also a heart condition. Matthew 5, verses 27 through 28. This is Jesus speaking. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It's a heart condition. You don't need to cheat on your spouse to commit adultery. You can look at things you're not supposed to. You can look at a woman lustfully and you've sinned. God one-upped it on us. It's not easy to be a Christian, but when you understand that, it becomes easier and easier because you don't want to start committing adultery of the heart, but we have to understand what sin is. It's not just do's and don'ts in the Bible, it's also a heart condition. So back to the question, why is leaning on your own understanding your sin, or why does it lead to sin? Well, it can be a sign of the following thoughts and beliefs, which you may or may not recognize, and that's important. Not everybody sees these sins in their life or sees the patterns and signs of leaning on their own understanding. But when you lean on your own understanding, it could mean you're thinking or you're believing that you're smarter than God, that you think you can solve problems easier, better, faster than God can that you have a better solution than God does. You think your ways and your thoughts are more important than God's, right? That, wow, this guy's so good looking, I'll never have anyone as good looking as him. Well, that's your thought. Maybe God has a whole different thought altogether, different thoughts, different plans. You think your plans and purposes are more important than God's. You express more faith in yourself than you do God it broadens the divide between the flesh and the Holy Spirit we already know that our sinful desires are always battling with the Holy Spirit what God in us wants you're just making the divide even bigger that's why it can be that slippery slope of sin you're not obeying God's command to submit every aspect of your life and all of your being to God Matthew 22 verses 37 through 38, Jesus replied, this is someone asking Jesus, this is his reply of what is the greatest command? What's the most important thing? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command. If we're loving God with our entirety, it means the way we think, the way we act, the way we feel, everything that we do, we need to submit that to God. Let the Holy Spirit take control. Leaning on your own understanding, which I mentioned earlier, does include our feelings and our emotions, takes God out of the equation and, to, and can lead to other sins like pride and envy. And ultimately, it brings into question the maturity of our faith in God or even or even if you believe in him or trust in him. Because Christian faith, the faith that saves, is about believing and trusting in someone, Jesus, and something that someone did. He died on the cross for our sins. And this is something we cannot prove by worldly standards. It's pretty neat that science is starting to prove a lot of the Bible, which is really cool, but right now, right here and now, I can't prove to you that Jesus died the way the Bible tells us? That's where faith comes in. Hebrews 11, verses one through three. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Verse two, through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Do you struggle with the Big Bang Theory? Right there, God addressed it. We didn't come out of the ooze, right? God says it right there, and that's faith, because we can't prove it. Science wants to say something else. The Bible says something completely different. That's faith. We cannot see it. We may not even be able to prove it, but it's God's word. You have to decide, is it true or is it false? Hebrews 11.6, as it continues on with this thought or this idea of faith, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Faith, Our belief in Jesus Christ, the saving power of Jesus, is based on something we cannot prove emotionally or through science or philosophically. And praise Jesus, we don't have to when you believe. You just know it to be 100% true. Don't forget, just because someone sounds like a Christian and acts like a Christian, it does not mean that they know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. This one probably blows your mind, but I bring this verse up all the time. Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. What this means is there's people who are in your church. There's people that lead ministries. There's people that you have seen for years and years and years that look like a Christian. They sound like a Christian, but they don't need, they don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I thank God that Something happened recently, it's a miracle, it's truly the greatest testimony I have ever heard in my life. And I'm talking, I've heard about people who, uh, they were addicted to drugs, they prayed that God would take the addiction away, he did. But God allowed someone's heart to be so warm to him that they experienced something so transformational. And and, and I told them, and I have permission to share this testimony, I'm so great because I know I was praying with Emily that they would let me share this. It is the greatest testimony that I've ever heard in ministry. And I hope it truly just pokes at you in the heart to really think about the reality of this verse. I think all of you guys know Miss Joyce Takawa. She was a leader of our seniors ministry. She's here today. Welcome, I love that you're here in person. It's so incredible. You know, I, I believe she's been part of churches for over 50 years. You know her family and how incredible they are. You wanna know what recently happened? she recently accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Amen. Woo. Welcome to the family. Now, there should not be a single judgmental spirit in here, and if there is, you have a problem. You guys should all be celebrating, but what that should open your eyes to is the reality that not everyone you think is a Christian, and here's a sad thing, I guarantee you there's pastors out there that aren't either. That should scare you to death, but because of Joyce's incredible testimony and her bravery, her testimony is going to transform lives. I guarantee it. And here's the thing. Some people don't know they're not Christians. That's the problem. When I talked to Joyce, she said she knew, and she has her reasons. She knew, and she made that decision. There's people, and I mentioned this to her last night, there's people out there that don't even know. They're going to church and they figure, if I just go to church and I give my tithe and offering, if I listen to a sermon, if I even lead something, I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven. No, you're not. This scripture tells us that there's people that performed miracles. I don't know how they performed miracles and they weren't saved. There's people that lead small groups. They're not saved. There's people that do audio video. There's people that sing. There's people that do all these things and they're not believers. The scary thing is the ones that don't know it. And because of Joyce's incredible testimony, it's going to transform lives. Amen? Don't fall asleep, church. Wake up. Open your eyes. Scripture says that God gave us a living testimony to the truth of this. And I told Joyce, I'm so excited to see what's going to happen. Because now, last night, she's like, I can't wait to like, do some Bible studies with the seniors and stuff. And I'm like, do you remember when we talked about that three years ago? And like, now it's going to start to happen. Praise Jesus. You watch out. Joyce is going to lead a lot of people to the Lord. Amen? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Clap it up. Absolutely. Amen. You know, recognizing the sinfulness of leaning on your own understanding is especially important If you work or your lives are involved in areas like finance, science, politics, and education, places that emphasis or emphasize worldly knowledge, facts, proof, history, logic, predictability, and the world's definition of right and wrong, if you have a career or if you have family members, a spouse, and they're in finance, science, politics, and education, pray because all of those areas are gonna tug on you not to operate in the way of God. They're gonna tug on you to operate on the world of human understanding. I, I applaud all of you, especially I think of teachers, that unless you're at a Christian school, you might even be forced to teach things you don't believe. I, I could not possibly imagine if I had to be up here preaching other, another religion so for those of you that are teachers and you are in a not a Christian school, God has called you to do a crazy thing in a crazy place, and God love you for it. But we need to pray for everyone that is in those worlds. Again, finance, science, politics and education. Listen to what the, uh, what the Bible says about worldly wisdom. First Corinthians 1 verses 18 through 21. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know that it is is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. He he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 4-8. through My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden, and that God's destined for a glory before time, or before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. We can't rely on our own wisdom, our own understanding, the wisdom of the world. Now, listen to what the Bible says about worldly wealth. Mark 10, verse 25. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God, you know how small the eye of a needle is. Now picture that as that illustration. Think about a camel and how big an animal is. Right, you can't even put your finger through the hole, like in the in a needle. That's how hard it is for people with great wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven. First Timothy six nine through ten. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the roots is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. See, it's continuing that story. It's not just hard for rich people to get into heaven. Some have already stumbled in their faith, probably because they could have made several million here but they had to lose their integrity or maybe over here there was a billion dollar acquisition but they had to lose their morals and ethics in the way God does things they relied on their own resources instead of God because God might have told them don't do that there's roadblocks ahead he might have found a different way to accomplish what he wanted to do 1 Timothy 6, verse 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Amen? So why is leaning on our own understanding so easy? It's because it doesn't require believing, hoping, and trusting in things that we cannot see or beyond our understanding, Right? It's right before us. It's so easy to lean on your own understanding because it's right there. It's tangible. It's in front of you. It makes you feel like you're in control because you get to make the decisions. You get to decide what happens. It meets our need to have our opinions and voices heard. That's why it's so easy. We want our way. It it satisfies our flesh, our sin nature, our sinful desires. So how do we address this? How do we address the sin of leaning on our own understanding? Well, the answer is back with the smartest man in the world. So we have the smartest man in the world, and we have the Word of God. So I think that combination is probably going to have a great answer for us. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. So, that first section there, we got to trust in the Lord with all our heart. The Hebrew word for trust means being confident in, relying on. We have to be confident in God and what He can do, and we have to rely on Him. All means all, right? It's total, it's everything, it's whole. And the heart, I've mentioned that often when you look at the ancient Hebrew, when you talk about heart, it's kind of like the way we think, it's how we process things our volition, our motivations. So the way we think, our motivations, our desires, everything, our entirety, we have to be confident in God in with our entire being, our all. So how do we do this? What are the tangible things we can do? Well, be honest with God, yourself and others, and take a look at your life and ask if you tend to rely on yourself or God when a question, a problem, an opportunity comes up, do you pray first or do you have to think about it with your own understanding, your feelings, your knowledge, your experiences, or other people's feedback? If something happens in your life that's challenging, do you pray first or do you go ask your friends about it? Do you ask yourself, what would God want me to do? Or do you ask yourself, what do I want to do? Right? Do you ask what God wants or what do you you want, or what do others want me to do? Sometimes we fall into that trap. We care more about what other people think than we do what God thinks, and that affects us. If you're struggling to find an answer or solution, do you spend more time looking for tangible answers or solutions, or do you spend more time praying? Do you spend more time Googling or getting on your hands and knees and praying? Do you let your feelings or the feelings of others get in the way of what God is saying? Do you let your heartstrings be pulled, or do you let your heartstrings pull you into sin? Do you limit outcomes to worldly solutions, or do you think God can do the miraculous? The Hagakis are here today, and they have, just like Miss Joyce, an incredible testimony of God doing something no human could of protecting something and eliminating something. And it's pretty incredible. So I hope you get to hear that testimony. God has provided us with two incredible testimonies that are transformational in the matter of a few days. Do you consider human limitations like time, available resources, people's resistance as deal breakers? Or do you look at God as limitless? Do you look at God as able to do anything? Anything? The second thing we need to do to help us from leaning on our own understanding is submitting to God in all our ways. It's interesting that word submit, sometimes different versions use acknowledge. It means to know. So basically what we're saying is by submitting to God, it's knowing and understanding, knowing God is in control. It's knowing that his power, his knowledge, his wisdom, his purposes, His plans, that's what matters. It's to know, it's to know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, God is control in control, and His will and His purpose is most important. So we have to submit, again, our everything, and that is not easy. But we need to submit our everything to Him. So we kind of final, our final landing place is this. So how do we submit our lives to God? This sermon, it's all about being honest, it's being honest very truthful with ourselves. Miss Joyce, I, still, I point to you because you did that. You were honest, you were truthful with yourself and I praise God for that. So the first thing is be honest with yourself and if you have truly experienced salvation through belief and trust in Jesus Christ. This is essential because if you don't believe in Jesus, no change can take place. You're gonna always lean on your own understanding. Are you truly saved? And the testimony I shared earlier says, You might think you are, but you're not. And that might be by your own choice, but it might not. Ask yourselves, what is the path to salvation? What did I do? Did I just raise my hand and I figured that was it? Or did I do something else? Second, be honest and ask yourself if you truly understand who the Holy Spirit is, his role in your life, and how he expresses himself in your life. That's why we spent eight weeks talking about the Holy Spirit. Because honestly, most Christians don't really understand the Holy Spirit. I grew up in a free Methodist church. Even though we have a triune God, we never talked about the Holy Spirit. That's why I spent eight weeks preaching on Him. Because He is real. He is the one who is active, most active in our lives today. He is our guide. He is our counselor. Amen? This is also essential because the Holy Spirit, God in us, He renews our mind, Scripture tells us, and He changes our hearts. Third thing, pray that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, would start to convict you, and when you are leaning on your own understanding and thought actions, or when you are leaning on your own thoughts, actions, and feelings. John 16, verses 7 through 8. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus has been resurrected. And he's saying, it is to your advantage, disciples and everybody else, that I go to heaven. Why? For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, and he, when he comes, that being the Holy Spirit, will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. So it's the Holy Spirit that convicts you of your own sin the holy spirit also helps you understand righteousness which is what is right and wrong according to god and judgment because sometimes we do have to call out the sin in the world but it better be the holy spirit convicting you to do that not your own flesh because you don't like someone or just because someone's annoying you but we do have to judge being led by the holy spirit Then pray and ask God through the power of the Holy Spirit to help you take those convictions because here's the thing. If you know you're sinning and you do nothing about it, what good is that? That's kind of like if your doctor says, hey, you have a heart problem. You need to start eating better. You need to start working out and you do nothing with it. What's the point? You're going to die. We have to do something with the information that we have. If the Holy Spirit's convicting us, we need to do something. So we need to ask the Holy Spirit in us to help us To become more Christ-like, we need to ask him to renew our minds, to renew our hearts. Listen to this, Ezekiel 36, verses 26 through 27, and we end here. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. The Holy Spirit helps us to be more obedient. It's not really hard to follow God's rules, his guidelines, to have a pure heart. I mean, we all struggle, we all sin, understand that. But the Holy Spirit in, in us helps to transform us. He changes our lives. He helps us to not fall into the sin of leaning on our own understanding. We have to understand that, church. What is guiding us? Are we guiding us? Is the spirit of our flesh? Is the spirit of man? What motivates you? Money and emotions or God? God. That's the transformation. This church, really every church, that's the way revival starts. But until you understand this, you know, we're just coming to church on a Sunday and it makes no difference. We can't possibly be part of God's plan to transform the Bay Area Area Beyond if we don't let God renew our hearts and our minds. Amen? Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord, that You're working amongst us. I know you are, Lord, but I pray that people would be open and not resistant. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give us a new heart because you've put your spirit in us if we have accepted you as our Lord and Savior. I pray, Lord, that even now, like you have done with Miss Joyce and her incredible story, Lord, that you would not even help us, force us, Lord, to be honest with ourselves. And if we truly believe in you, if we truly understand you, Holy Spirit, dwelling inside of us, I pray that we would genuinely want you to convict us of our sin, of our struggles. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to change. We can't do it on our own. As Solomon knew, we are nothing without you, we can't make the right decision. But with you, all things are possible because you are everything. Help us to submit every aspect of our lives to you. Lord, we love you and we need you so desperately. Lord, transform us. Help us to be more like you. We love you so much. We pray this in your name. Amen. this is kind of like a strange transition all the time our announcements are always kind of strange pastor emily's going to be coming up in here in a second Um, but we have a few announcements one and it's just the timing of how things all kind of happen it works out well so as you know we did extend zoom for a little over a month so next week is actually going to be our very last zoom service so if you are on zoom um, either you know join us on youtube live or we want to see you here and so have you guys joined in person or on YouTube live again? Next week will be our very last Zoom service. We have children's church today, so I will send another reminder out to you parents, but that's going to be at eleven o'clock. Um just use the regular Zoom link. You joined us on uh, Zoom or that you normally have been. That is on Zoom. And also we have our mixed groups today. Um, let me pray for our offering, then we'll have Pastor Emily lead us. Uh Lord Jesus, we just give you all the glory, honor, and praise, Lord, and Lord, uh, I pray, Lord, that we would understand what tithes and offerings are about, Lord, not with our understanding, but with yours, that they are a way to honor you, Lord, that when we give, we don't have to worry that we have less, Lord Jesus, because we're doing this out of our hearts to honor you and take care of us. Lord, it doesn't mean everything's perfect, Lord, but when we trust you, when we understand what tithes and offerings are about, that they are Basically, honoring you is what is all yours anyway, Lord. It is transformational. Lord, help us to be discerning, Lord, to use your understanding, your Holy Spirit to guide us in how to use the finances of the church that you've blessed us with, the incredible resources, Lord. And we just pray this in your name. Amen.